Hi, I'm Marty Grizzani, and this is The Marty Grizzani Show. As a full-time real estate investor and business owner, I have a real fascination of finding the key principles for business success and personal development. This show is a reflection of my personal mission to find out what truly makes somebody successful in business and in life. We will find tools and tactics that they've used to reach those levels. If you're the type of person is not satisfied with average and you have a hunger for learning that will never cease, this show is for you. Welcome to the show. And that's, and that's fine, Dara, that's fine. I don't, you know, those, I like to ask the questions, you know, and for the audience, they don't know this, but I, I send out questions because, you know, sometimes for people when it's their first podcast or their first kind of sit down and chat, you know, it's, it can be nerve wracking and, you know, you want to be able to have something to say and you're like, oh, geez, I don't know. What is he going to ask? What what are they going to say? I, so but you're very easy to talk about because you've done so much. So Thank it's you. it's not like you got to search and find things for this person. I mean, it's it's right there. Um, so I'm excited to talk with you. And, and especially because I think this is a perfect time to have you on because not only are you an expert in commercial real estate, but because for me, as I'm transitioning from residential to commercial, um, it's it's something that, I need more of, I need more education. Mm-hmm. I, need, I need to be around more people like you who've been in the industry, who've been, you know, you've been an agent since 2010, right? You know, I don't even know. <laughs> 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. I know. <laughs> Something like, yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. I mean, just how much you learn. It's crazy. Like, think about you. I'm, I actually was curious about this. I was thinking about this for myself, just literally before we got on. Like if you look at pictures from two years ago and you go, this is what I was doing two years ago. And then you think about what you're doing now and just like how you've evolved and maybe as a person or as a professional, isn't it kind of crazy? Do you ever do that? Do you ever go and just sit back and go, wow, we've done a lot in a year or two years. It's usually two years I, for me. I look back and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. You're like, oh, yeah, I can handle that. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Oh, this is a great idea. Um, And then suddenly, you know, you're you're 10 feet into something and you're just realizing the involvement and the grit that you have to have to accomplish it. So, yeah, I look back. I'm like, was that really a year ago, two years ago? You know, and and as time has gone on and, you know, my volume has adjusted upwards, thank God, and how, you know, my businesses have all come through being in commercial real estate, Mm. each one of them. Mm. Um, So, you know, I think I look back and I'm like, wow, I thought I was doing great then. And look at me now. Right. So yeah, I, I feel you. They're right there. No, that's great. That's a, that's a fun feeling to go, you know, Hey, if, if I'm my, you know, it's kind of corny, but this is, this is like Matthew McConaughey said in his uh, his speech when he won the Academy Award, which was fantastic. But he's like, if I could be my hero, you know, from the if my hero is two years ahead of me all the time, then I'm always chasing my hero. And you really become that identity of what you want to be, because for me, like my hell, right, this is this is the version of my hell is when you you go to meet 
whoever it is you you meet in in whatever religion or practice you have right but when you go and you meet that person that you could have been right and if you are meeting that person and they're and you don't you're not familiar with that person like that potential person like if you, the person you could have been that they're so further developed than what you are yeah that is painful and that is something i don't want and that's why i really respect what you're doing because okay let's just throw it out there so i i'm talking with dara petralia and uh she's the queen of commercial real estate i'm excited to talk to her she's she's fantastic she wanted to you know it was nice enough for her to want to come on the show when i asked her and um you know what i really love about you is that yes commercial real estate it's new to me and yet you, and you've done it and I, I want to pick your brain on and off camera but more of you also own a couple businesses yeah and we do so talk about that so so you're a part of a you have the lady you have the pest control business yep go ahead can you just tell people that are listening that don't know a couple of the businesses that you're a part of on top of the real estate that you you have to manage and and, uh, and work with uh clients and tenants with with pleasure so our first business venture was the purchase of rita's italian ice it's in brighton uh, it's a franchise, uh, and that came about because I had been speaking with the old owner about expanding and helping scout a second location. Mm. Um, then a couple of years later, I had taken a client through a space, and he absolutely hated it. And to be frank with you, it was probably the most filled space. It gave me anxiety to walk through. I almost had like a panic attack walking through. Uh, there was just so much stuff. You couldn't see the space, mm. but I looked up at the ceiling and I looked where the beams were and I looked at the location and I just, I was inspired. I had mm. an idea. Um, and then that evolved into the second and third business with family. Uh, it's Ryan's Rock and Deals at at Stone and Dewey. Um, and then a walk-up window of Rock City ice cream. So those two kind of came about just from inspiration, taking a client through who who just could not see through the space. And I just saw a beautiful opportunity there. Mm. Um, and then lastly, Pest Control, Ladybugs All Pest Solutions, um, came about through a business broker that I work closely with and do all of his commercial real estate evaluations. Um, and it came about during covid so, you know, real estate was non-essential and he reached out and he's like, do you know anyone who might want an essential business? I said, oh, I don't know. Tell me more about it. And it was pest control. And I froze. It took me three weeks to adjust to the idea of maybe getting into pest control. Um, I had an array of mixed emotions of like, I hate pests. Right. Um, I know nothing about this industry. And yet I was reflecting on all the different clients that I'd helped with over the years. And it, in a very weird way, kind of made a lot of sense for me, for my husband who works with, you know, hundreds of new homeowners a year. So it was just perfect timing. It just, it took me a while to pair myself mentally to get into that field. And we're blessed. We have wonderful teams at all of the businesses. So, but it's you know, right really on though, Dara, it's right. It's right on 
because you didn't really probably know much about, a, you know, Rita, I mean, an ice cream business. You probably didn't know much about a furniture appliance uh, type of business. I mean, you just kind of jumped in. It's like for people listening, is that truly the best way of just doing it is like you can think about it and analyze it and look at the numbers constantly. And those are important, right? I'm not saying just don't be reckless, but you jump in and that's when you learn. Cause I believe, and tell me if you, if you disagree, but if you jump and you've done a little bit of your research, then a net will appear. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you jump in? I'm a two feet jumper. Mm, love it. <laughs> love it. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people in commercial real estate are and in business are because you have to have a certain risk tolerance you have to have the stomach to be an entrepreneur, to not have a weekly, monthly, or even you know every three-month paycheck. You have to be able to be creative and problem-solving. Um, I would say that I'm probably the most fortunate out there because while you know I'm the creative, visionary, I would say the personality of my marriage, my husband is an MBA. He's the methodical, meticulous one in numbers and projections. And we can really bounce through something relatively quickly, logically. Um, you know, I think every successful business has a team that has both the visionary and the execution. And for me, it's my marriage. And that carries into all of our businesses. So bring me back to Rita's. That was the first business you bought? Yeah. Okay. So you had been working on, and I know a Rita's guy, I got to just mention him, uh, in New Jersey, John Meradian. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I uh, don't. There's about okay. 800 nationwide, though. Yeah, there's a lot. And, uh, and, and he's in a mastermind I'm in. I'm a big fan of John. So shout out to John if you hear this. So, okay. So, this is what's interesting about commercial real estate is that you learn so much about business and you learn so much about businesses. And then you go, man, this person's done this and they're not a rocket science. They're not quote unquote better than me. Why couldn't I do something like this? Like I see the numbers. They make sense. Like, is that your thought when you're looking at businesses too? Um, I don't want to say that like I compare myself intellectually to other people. I would say that. <laughs> Fair. You know, <laughs> I would say that I always look to see what the opportunity is. I look through a, a different lens um, than, than most people. And I think that that's, you know, the general consensus with entrepreneurs. You know, you're looking at something, the angle is, how can this be better? Mm. Where's there room for improvement? Where's the upside? Mm. How can this be repositioned? Mm. And, you know, like with pest control, I have had, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of clients over the years that have needed to hire that service. And I didn't have a, an existing relationship with one, but I had had different companies over the years in my homes, one being that use a scare tactic when I was a single mother of five young kids and scared me into signing this very expensive pricely monthly service. Cause you know, my children could die. Oh Jesus. And eventually got past that. And I hired a different company who disrespected my time. Uh, they were no shows. 
I would have a window. There were no shows for days on end. And there was no accountability. And there was no respect for my time, for my home. And when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, there is a better way. And taking what I've learned in real estate and taking what Joe has learned in real estate and, you know, shifting those skills and those parameters of how you treat people and how you service people into pest control. It's been a blend. And for us, that was the opportunity of there's a better way. Mm, that is, uh, if you guys rewind that, that's really, really good. I mean, the queen is dropping some royal nuggets right now. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, finding ways, finding the opportunity, and especially, and, you know, and not a lot of people were probably thinking that way during COVID, right? During that time, a lot of people were maybe like scarcity mindset, where, oh my yeah. God, how could I expand or, or buy something when I don't know what's going to happen? I need to conserve, right? And, and kind of, and that, is a benefit for those who are thinking positively, right? And optimistically, which I believe you are, right? I believe Joe is. And and it's like, well, then opportunities come to positive and- Opportunities uh, always come. Yeah. Your eyes just have to be open mm. and you have to have the, the gumption to take the action. Mm. They're always out there. You know, years ago, I presented a strip center to an investor and he turned it down. And he just, he said that, you know, the leases were not long enough. He just, he saw a lot of problems upcoming with the property and, you know, respected his decision. I presented to someone else. The other guy bought, bought it. We extended the leases, we negotiated early extensions and repositioned the property. And then when the buyer went to go, the new owner went to go and refinance it, there was a seven figure increase mm. in appraisal. Mm. Powerful. It, it's about where's the opportunity? There's always going to be risk, but that opportunity should far outweigh the risk. Absolutely. And, and, but you have to, like you said, keep your eyes open for those things. It's always out there. Business properties. And, you know, <clears throat> what I, I love being in commercial real estate. I, I don't have the tolerance or the patience to be in residential. Um, I love that in commercial it's, it's free. It's wild, wild West. Hmm. Um, because so many properties don't hit the market because you can get creative with financing because businesses on an SBA loan can get in for 0% down if an owner will hold that 10%. You know, there's win-wins that can be found. You know, an owner can hold a mortgage that defers their capital gains. It gives them additional time to identify a replacement property. There's all these creative solutions that you can get into in commercial that, I mean, I just, every deal is different. Every transaction is different. Every problem is different, right? So, you know, being able to identify it and and resolve it is what drives me. Well, it's being like a problem solver, right? And, and, and if you're able to do that, especially 
with what I'm seeing now, and, and let me know, maybe it's always been there, but because the interest rates are so high, the sellers are are very much uh, approachable with seller finance. Can you explain a little bit about seller financing and and, and why that's, and you, and you did a little bit, but why that's a, a, such a benefit to the seller and why it's a benefit to the buyer? Well, it's it really can be a win-win situation as long as the seller doesn't have a mortgage on the property. If the property is free and clear, um, they get to act as the bank. Instead of going to a lender for a mortgage, the seller acts as the mortgage. And let's say that's 8, 10, 12%, whatever interest rate they're going to charge you, um, they still maintain first position on the property. So they have the protection should a buyer default, but there's very few obstacles that have to be overcome with seller financing. Whereas with a traditional mortgage, you know, for multifamily, the bank has to review every lease. They have to review all the deposits. They need the last three years of K-1s. They need the appraisal. They need the environmental. That's a lengthy process, you know, four to six months at minimum. Um, with seller financing, They'll turn over the items of due diligence that those are the items that the buyer is requesting to verify that the income and the property is as is. It's being put out there. So review that and then go into contract and you can close. You can close in 30 days, 45 days. Um, and during the time that the seller holds the mortgage where they act as the bank, they have that time to go and identify another property. So that gives them additional time and flexibility for capital gains. Mm. They don't have to pay capital gains. They'll turn it in. So, and that's huge. It's a win-win. I mean, that, that's a win-win, and they and nobody wants to have to pay any more than they should in uh, in taxes. And you know, one of the things that has been a big benefit for us is, and when we're selling it, because a lot of people ask me, there they go. Hey, how do I find seller financing deals? How, how do I find these deals? And it's like, well, you you make them. You you make sure you educate the seller because you know with what because we were doing it in residential. We were we learned it in residential, and we learned all the ways of really presenting the you know amortization uh, schedule. So for people listening, definitely get a ten B two calculator on your phone. It's an app because then you can very quickly put in the down payment, the interest rate, how long that the seller wanted, would want to hold it for, and you can show them how much money they'll make on the interest. And that alone will really pique their interest. <laughs> and, and oh, by the way, if you tell them, here's another slick trick, and let me know if this is something that you think is a good way of doing it, but I like to say, hey, listen, we'll put a life insurance policy on the property as well. So that worst case scenario, my partner and I, something happens to us, well, not only are you going to get your property back, and nobody knows this better than you do, the property, you've owned it for 30 years, Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, that you'll also have the upgrades we made and the ten the tenant in there that we put in there, or the, the better lease that's in there. And oh, by the way, that million dollar life insurance policy on that. Is that, a, is that something that you advise to do uh, for people that are doing seller financing? I think it's very creative. Um, you know, what deal works for everyone? That will definitely make someone feel a little bit more comfortable. I would reserve that for the end, though, and not present that initially. Mm, okay, fair enough. That's good. I like it. I like it. Um, all right. So 
where did, cause you got a lot of like entrepreneur urgency. I've talked about in my shows before a lot of, you know, you got the grit, you know, that's like the one thing that I think is the separator for a lot of entrepreneurs <laughs> and business owners is you got to have grit. Why, where did you get grit from? Where does that come from? Oh, where does it come from? Yeah, where's the uh, I think where it comes from and how you maintain it are different. I'm going to mm. split that question. I'm going to reserve mm. that right. So you it. your show. <laughs> um, I grew up, I mean, I was raised by my mother. Um, my mother was a lawyer, grew up, born and raised in Philadelphia. And my mother worked, worked herself to the bone. Um, she did a lot for the community. I remember being a little child and throughout my childhood, my mother volunteered every few weeks at a women's batter, battered women's shelter. And our home had been the pass off for adoptions and things that would places where families would be safe, feel safe. And, you know, working for people and working hard and working all hours is something I grew up watching. Um, but you know, we all burn out and here's the split. So, you know, I have it, but I also take a lot of vacations and do things for personal growth and things to just clear my mind so that I have enough in me to give back to my clients mm. and to give back to my teams at the respective businesses. Mm. I love it. What do you do for that type of thing? Do you meditate? Like what, what, how do you, how do you get back into, you know, centering yourself? How, how do you, how, how do you maybe take the time? Is it, is it going on vacations? Is that the way to do it? And a lot of people, you know, may think they go on vacation, but they may still be working on those things. You know, it takes me a long, t it takes me maybe five days. I need like a longer vacation. Cause I don't, I don't feel like I unplug properly when I go. Cause I want to, you know, it's unfortunate, but I want to be busy. And uh, I don't, I mean, maybe that's just, that's my own demon I have to, I have to struggle with. But how do you maybe do those things? How, other than taking a vacation, is, is there something else? Are you, are you, do you read? Do you, like, what is it that it helps you with that? So a few things. I mean, we do, we take about two vacations a year um, for usually about 10 days each. Yeah, that's the one. Um. I'll be honest with you. I struggle like you do um, with, with working on vacation. Um, I did just go to Italy this past February where it was my first vacation in years where I did not take my laptop. Oh, wow. I did not take my calendar. I was off and it was remarkable. Mm. And, you know, to give myself that grace and to just give my mind time to enjoy what was around me and really be present in the moment. Um, I came back with, with a new energy and a new focus. And, you know, when, when you do that, even though it's so hard, you know, I always know when I'm stressed or when I'm nearing a break, because I'll check my phone a hundred times a day, right? You know, I'll be cooking. I'll be like, Oh, let me just check my phone. And I know that that's a pattern in me that, that's a sign that I need to just stop soon. Mm. Um, so yeah, I take vacations, but I do, I start my morning off by, I get into my office and I don't go into my office. I sit outside of my office and I read for 15 to 30 minutes every day. Um, so it helps me get through a, 
a book a month typically. And, you know, that gives me a sense of accomplishment, but it also starts my day in a very relaxing way. I love that. I think that's fantastic. I think that um, you literally just pierce my soul because when you talk about looking at your phone and you're trying to find something, you're trying to find maybe like a problem or you're trying to find something to put out, right? And and who needs you? What does right. someone need from you right then? Right. Yeah. And I'm just working myself up because nothing is showing up, right? That email mm -hmm. I sent about the offer or asking for this or looking for that or whatever is not showing up. And so then I go down this downward spiral and it's actually making me more depressed every time I look at the phone. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's very interesting you said that. So just as soon as you notice that and then take a step back, I think that's brilliant. I think that's yeah. something I needed to do. And I now I'm going to do, it's just, it's tough to sometimes realize that in the moment, that's what's, that's what you're doing, you know, and being, yeah, kind. you have to, be very self-aware and you mm -hmm. also have to be disciplined enough to know that that's what you need and what's best for you and to just do it. Just shut off the phone, leave it at home. Like I'll go out for a drive. I'll go out to Eastview or something. Nobody needs, there, no one's dying in two hours. Right. You know, like <laughs> it's going to be okay. Go on. Yeah. It's going to be, and it's almost like, it's almost like, um, you know, who do you think you are? In a way, it's like, listen, you're not that important, Marty. Like, you're not that important. You can take some time. You can take some time to really care about what is important. And that's yourself and the people around you and being present with them. And I, I, I need to do a better job of that. Um, much more valuable than your phone and then electronics. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, um, yeah, it's something I need to work on. Do you, do you have, um, you know, you, we talked a little bit when you're analyzing, looking at things. Business-wise, do you do you have like a a formula or a process when you're looking at something like, like a decision? When you're making a decision, do you have a formula or a process that has worked well for you, or is it just you know like literally for me? Sometimes it's it, I have a good gut feeling on things. Do the you, gut is that what you trust as well? Yeah, because you can talk yourself into or out of anything. Hmm. You can rationalize, you can strategize, you can plan. Either it's a go or it's a no-go. Um, but your gut is never going to, to lie to you. You know, when you get that, that pause, it's a no-go. If it's a, I'm terrified, but excited at the same time, it's, ex it's a go. <laughs> you know, yeah. your mind will, will steer you. And your mind will steer you based on your environment, right? I mean, if you're around people who are small-minded, if you're around people who, you know, have never taken a risk in their life, they've never been on the verge of having a huge win or on the verge of a huge loss, you know, you're probably going to be influenced by them. You know, if they're like, wow, this is just... You could go bankrupt, you know, you could also make eight figures. Change your life. Where do you fall? It depends on who you're talking to about it. What do you do to be around those like-minded folks? Is it through networking? Are you in certain clubs? Are you in, are you a part of, um, you know, strategic 
partnership groups that masterminds, is that something that you do? Is it something that you think is important? I think it is important. I think it's extremely important. Um, I don't belong to like, I belong to a BNI group. Um, mine is probably the black sheep of the groups, um, but we're all business related. Um, I belong to NYSCAR, the New York State Commercial Association of Realtors group. Um, CCIM, Certified Commercial Investment Member, ICSC, the International Conference of Shopping Centers. Those are the groups that I belong to. Um, I would say I surround myself with people who are pretty much commissioned-based mm. because I think that there's something that you can't understand if you have a paycheck every week. Uh-huh. That, you know, the people that you know, I can pour my heart out to are the ones that struggle like I do. Are you going to make payroll? How are you going to pay for this repair? You need new equipment already? You know, those are the struggles that the people that I'm close with can all relate to, you know, and by the grace of God, we all get through it. But you're always going to have those fears, those struggles but also you're always going to have that opportunity, that growth, and you're in charge of your own destiny. You know, I'm not relying on whether Kodak succeeds on whether they get a contract so that I can get a paycheck. You got to be around inspirational people. You got to be around people that uh, have done it or are doing it side by side with you. Yeah, there's such a power with that because you become, you get momentum from those folks, right? You get momentum from the like-minded, you know, optimistic, no matter what, fearless and ready for really anything. And I think that's why, you know, having partners is is really important. I I mean, for me, uh, I know you have a a business partner that's your, you know, that's your husband and and some other partners, of course. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so do I, I my partner, Matt, and, you know, the, I really, you know, you hear a lot about how partnerships are, you know, man, I would never do that or partners are tough. And, and I, I could understand that, right. I'm sure there's the studies that probably say there's probably, you, you have more chances of those probably failing, but when you find the right one, right. When you find that right partner, gosh, aren't they so important because they, when you're maybe down, they're up and then you can kind of normalize. And when, when they're down and you're up, you can kind of get back to a balance. Um, yeah. Is that been, is that been critical for you guys? Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, over the years, I mean, I've had times where, you know, my children have had medical needs that have pulled me out of the area. My mother, um, it just, it happens where you're suddenly unavailable and who fills those shoes? If, if it's only you, you have to, you can't take a break. If your mother is dying in the hospital, you still have to submit payroll. You still have to make sure that your workers comp is paid. If you have a partner, you're relieved of that. You know, there's, there's a certain growth comes with having a partner and that you're not in control of all of the decisions and with the path that the company takes by yourself. And, you know, being 
flexible. I, you know, in negotiations, you know, if I have to go back to something, I said, well, I'll start off the conversation with, I wanted to ask, do you do yoga? And if they say yes, it's like, great, because I'm going to ask you to be really flexible right now. (laughs) And if they say no, I'm like, well, I wish you had, because I'm going to ask you to be really flexible. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, the same is true with with partnerships and with business, with landlord tenant relationships. I mean, you're in a relationship. You're in a long term relationship. When you sign that lease for five, 10, 15 years, you are marrying that landlord. Mm. Yeah, you are. And you're in your, you know, and, and it's there's going to have to be some give and take at times. And how how well are you, like you said, with being flexible, but. Are you willing to, you know, meet people halfway or, or more? Are you even able to have that conversation? You know, you got to be willing to be open to the conversations. On you have to be, and you have to be approachable. Right. That's um, and you have to be, you really, you have to be able to see what their strengths are and say, well, you know, I, you're much stronger at this than me. Hmm. I'm going to leave this to you hmm. or. You know, I kind of feel like this is my bucket. Here's what I would do. What are your thoughts? Those type of conversations, it should never be my way or the highway. Right. You know, anyone who who thinks that they're right or that their that partner brings no value, that they shouldn't have an opinion, why do they have a partner? Right. What What's the partner's value? What did you see in them that made you want a partner that you're not seeing now to listen to them? Yeah, that's that's great because I think for for us and it sounds like for you too, it's like me personally, I like to just let people do their thing, right? Like I'm not an op- I'm I have to put affirmations in my head saying that I am an operations person, so I get better at it, right? But I I'm I like the marketing side, I like the sales side, I like finding the deals. But You're me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I, I like I like the lead generation. That part gets me excited. I, I like that mm-hmm. part. But you know, that mm-hmm. back end stuff, which is really in my head, so important, if not more important, and maybe the other person hopefully thinks that my part is the most important, but it is really, you know, keeping the books and making sure that the everything is running on, on time, right? Is you know, <sighs> Like, how do you balance that? Like, do you let people, do you just kind of let people do their thing and get out of their way? That's a loaded question. It depends on what, mm. you know, do I let my sales guys at the different businesses just do it their way? No. Do I give them enough flexibility that, you know, I'm not micromanaging and tracking their time? Yeah. Mm. But I want to know every week, like how many stops have you made and what have you brought in in contracts? I feel like I want to hold them accountable. I want to motivate them. I want to support them. If I have a contact or a contract that can help, but I'm not going to be like, where were you? Your your ship started 15 minutes ago. You're clocked in. What, what's going on here? That's not my style at all. Mm. You know, if it's, if it's operations related, you know, our manager over at Rita's, I mean, we are so far removed from that business now because she's grown into such a talent, such a powerhouse. She doesn't need us. 
that's got to be a lot of fun seeing that. It's been incredible. I mean, she is really so on top of everything and wonderful with the team there and wonderful with clients and with corporate events. And, you know, if I had to be there and if I had to do scheduling and deal with call outs, I couldn't accomplish what I need to. No, that's, that's, that's really incredible. That's really inc- incredible that you hold them accountable, right? Mm-hmm. And you motivate. And you know what? If you didn't do that, and, and if you didn't do, you know, obviously micromanaging is, is always going to be tough and people know that, but you're, when you're making, they're making them better and people like to be better and they want feedback. You know, it was like that coaching thing, you know, and I know you, you, you played sports. It's like, if the coach isn't talking to you, then you know, there's a problem. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? If they're on you, at least they're trying to get you to be <laughs> your best, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's really important. And uh, it's something that I need to do a better job on um, because you expect people because you're, you know, a self-starter, you got, you know, all those things, a high performer. And those are fantastic when you're the number four in the company or the five, right? But when you're the number one, you really need to, uh, you, you need to be there to, to watch them and coach them. And uh, I think that's a, that's a very important thing to be able to do. But because, uh, like you said, like if you were micromanaging the the manager at Rita's, they wouldn't have been able to evolve into the person that they are now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I worked with her every two weeks for her first season. That was about it. From that, she has God given talent. She's got a good head on her shoulders, and I trust her. And she handles the money. She handles the banking. It's her, you know, so true at some of the other businesses too. You know, we trust our teams. They are really part of our family. We genuinely care for them. We genuinely love them. We genuinely want them to succeed. Powerful. And I appreciate it. Now let's talk a little bit about real estate, (laughs) right? But it's like so funny because it's such a business and it's like, but again, it's, uh, it's just funny how it all kind of works. Like you need to be, you know, that business mindset because you're not, if you're an agent, whether it's a real, whether it's residential or commercial, you need to be thinking as a business and, and, and absolutely that you're the CEO of your, because even if you're commissioned, I don't even care if you're a salesperson, you're the owner of that business, right? That book of business you're the owner of. So, but let's talk about upstate New York and and Rochester, and then we can get into our speed rounds. I know we only have a limited time, but so where do you, what do you see right now with commercial real estate? And let's talk about, you know, where I really think that, you know, for me, my, my, uh, what I like is, is the, uh, industrial, where, where do you, what do you see with industrial? Do you think it's still going to stay hot? Um, retail, those are the two that I really like. So what are your thoughts on industrial and retail in, uh, in like the greater Rochester area, hot or cold on it? Blame it hot. Blame it hot. I mean, it is. I mean, for the first time in my career, um, multifamily is not the number one search anymore. It's industrial. Um, Industrial hasn't really been built in like over 30 years here. So there's a real shortage of supply. And while there was a shortage of supply prior to COVID, COVID really brought in a lot of international companies that once um, bridges and ports were closed, they couldn't manufacture things. 
So they now have a footprint in the United States so that should there ever be another pandemic or another shutdown, they have some facility here. So, you know, that's brought a whole new level of competition and need to our region. And, you know, we are so attractive for so many reasons. First of all, we're the third largest investment city in the nation. So we always have eyes on us here in Rochester. Second of all, our price per square foot, let's call it seven bucks a square for industrial. It's cheaper for companies to open a spot here at seven, eight, nine bucks a square, pay crew and pay the additional shipping than it is to have a facility down in North Carolina where it's 15, $17 a square. So our affordability is attractive. And then also, cause we're so close to Canada and we're so close to the Seabrook port down in Jersey. It's a straight shot right up here. So we get a lot of food distribution here. Mm. So there's a lot of demand. I think it's always going to be hot. Okay. So it's always gonna be hot. So that's, that's what I wanted to hear. So that's great. So retail, retail, retail is going to be hot too. Um, there, you know, I always laugh because I hear people say, oh, retail is dead. Really go find me a 40,000 square foot box to use. Please. It's so dead. Please find it for me. <laughs> Um, you know, so also as a result of COVID, COVID really shifted things. You know, there wasn't a decline in commercial real estate. There was a shift. So office users, a lot of office users, 5,000 square feet and below transitioned to smaller suites retail, because first of all, it had the private entrance and also was easy for clients to get into. So we saw a huge uptick in these smaller size spaces there's very far and few between now because office users have transitioned to being retail plazas you see insurance agents and law firms and things that would yes. traditionally be in an office building right. right are now experiencing retail it's driven prices up and that trend will continue yeah so what happens to all the office space in in Rochester like like what happens to some of that like smaller office space in some of the suburbs in, you know, that was maybe like a mix of medical with some insurance, some attorneys, is that still going to be okay? Or is it just, that's going to be a tough one. And maybe even in the city, the office space of Rochester, what are your thoughts there? I think it's going to take a while to recover. I think, you know, people got comfortable working at home, but we're definitely seeing people, be required to come back to the office. But the difference is, is they're not being required to come back to the office five days a week. It's either two or three. So companies are able to take their 20,000 square foot office space, shrink it to 10 because employees are sharing desks and offices. So I think it's going to take a while for the office industry to recover. Um, and I think a lot of office is going to be transitioned to medical because medical is still very in demand. Mm. So medical office is still something that there could be some upside if you find the right deal. Yeah. And some repurposing of traditional office into medical. Mm. Interesting. So 
you know, this is uh, this is my show. So I have some things I'm working on. You know, the thing I wanted to talk to you about, in your opinion, can I trust CoStar with my looking at price per square foot? I mean, is it generally okay? Or is it upstate New York? It's just not the best. Are you talking sales or lease? Lease. Like if I'm looking at the leases on those, like if I'm doing like, a, if I'm doing like, if I'm pulling a full underwriting report on a property and I'm looking at what I think I can get. If I would tell you to trust your local commercial broker. Okay. The problem with lease comps are twofold. Sales are verified by the county clerk's office. Leases, most agents, we're under NDAs. We can't disclose the details of the lease. So I can't report it. And for agents that do report, they're not necessarily reporting accurate information. Because then if they say, well, you know, I lease this at $15 a square for five years, CoStar puts that into the system, then every agent knows that in five years, that tenant is going to be on the market. Right. So, you know, you're relying on a lot of information that can't be disclosed and you're relying on, you know, the honesty or accuracy. Let's say accuracy, not honesty. You're relying on the accuracy of someone reporting to CoStar. Can you explain a little bit? Because I think when I first started, I didn't understand how commercial brokers even get paid. But can you, can you, in it, based on the tenant, can you talk a little bit about what that would look like for someone who might be looking at a building or buying a building like, hey, that's great. That's that price. But when you're looking for a tenant, you know, obviously, number one, you're going to want to hire a broker like yourself to find that tenant um, because it's just putting it on Facebook or Craigslist. It's just that's. It, it, that does, it doesn't work like that because of the relationships like people that you have with folks because you're waiting for them to, you know, they're waiting for something to expire so they can get out or whatever. So how would, how are commercial brokers compensated? Because that's a number and significant now that I know um, to make sure <laughs> that you're, that you're underwriting so that your numbers are, are accurate when you're, when you're looking for that, for that capital. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, Commonly, not across the board because every situation is unique, um, but commonly there's the commercial um, commission rates range somewhere between six and 10%. And a broker, will, the listing broker, so the person who is going to be responsible for marketing the space, helping identify a user and do the negotiations on a landlord's behalf. Um, they collect the commission and then that is shared with a tenant's agent. And it's typically, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, 10% of the total term of the lease. So you back out the expenses usually. So like the real estate taxes, um, the insurance, maintenance, things like that. And then you get your number. Yeah. So let's just throw it out there. So a 20,000 square foot space at five bucks a square foot off off the top of your head, what is somebody going to have to pay the investor to that agent for finding that tenant? I know it's a lot of things can, a lot of variables, but what are they expected to pay for something like that? If it's a five-year lease, let's say. So in my mind, we're doing 
what is that, $100,000 a year, you're doing 500,000. So typically six or 7% of that 500,000 is what's going to be due at commencement, which is when the tenant has moved in and has paid their first month's rent. There you go. So if you're thinking about being a, a residential agent, and then you just heard that, uh, you can <laughs> do very well in commercial. And again, super hard. Got to still that you, you're pounding the pavement, and it's but boy, that is a is a solid living if you are willing to do it. I think it's I think that's fantastic. I just don't think a lot of people talk about it enough. I think people talk about you know the million dollar listings and selling the you know the, the luxury homes, but man, don't don't sleep on someone finding a tenant for a 20 40 you know whatever it is thousand square foot yeah. building i mean it it's a it's a it could be a life changer um all right let's get to the speed round so when you're looking at your business um in all the businesses is there a metric i guess i should say if there's only one metric you could choose to track your business is it you know the leads is it the conversations you have, I mean, I, I don't know if you're someone that might be writing down, you know, I, I've had, you know, I make 50 phone calls a day. What, what, what do you look at? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I probably should be, I have not ever been that disciplined to track, to know how many calls I make, how many conversions I need, how many meetings I need to have to secure a listing. Um, I would say I'm going to split that question too. So in my commercial real estate business, the metric that I use is the amount of closed units per year. Mm. Um, and I do that because, you know, first of all, commercial has a much greater likelihood of falling apart. Most of the time it's for circumstances way outside of my control, whether it's an environmental issue, a title issue, um, you name it, I've had it. So, you know, there's a greater likelihood of that. And therefore, every closing is a success. Mm. Um, so that's how I go. And I don't care whether it's, you know, a $100,000 deal or a $5 million deal. They're all winners and they're all equal in my eyes. So I, in my business, in my commercial real estate, I go by closed units per year. I love it. Um, with all the other businesses, I go by profitability. Okay. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my that's... metric. Speaks for itself. So that's fair. <laughs> What's the, um, I guess, is there a real estate book you could recommend to folks that might be looking at commercial real estate? Or maybe even, is there just a business book that you really like that resonated with you? You know, I, there's a few. Um, but the one that really changed my lens um, was a book called Rejection Proof. And I've never heard of this one. So that's great. Cause I, I usually hear a lot of the kind of same ones, you know, you hear the same kind of couple. So rejection proof, rejection proof. Um, and it, you know, it's about this guy who does a hundred experiments, putting himself in situations where he tests the limits and crazy things. Like he knocks on a door and says, can I tour your house right now? Can I go jump on the trampoline with your kids? <laughs> You know, like things that, you know, people are going to be like, what is going on? Are you out of your mind? And through that, those experiences, he changes the way that he responds to rejection. Mm. So instead of feeling deflated and instead of feeling, you know, a sense of failure, 
he has changed his reaction and his mindset to how can I pivot this? Mm. And, you know, I think, you know, pivot is a very strong word. It's something that I, I use all the time with my business, with my clients, you know, we need to pivot here. We need a change because the, the environmental didn't come back how we expected or whatever the situation is, we need to shift gears right here. Mm-hmm. This is it. I love it. That's great. And, you know, it's, it reminds me a little bit of when you say pivot and then also at the same time, the rejection proof is that, you know, I had a, a small mindset shift a couple of years ago and thank God I was in sales because I would have been a complete blob at this because I, I'm, I'm definitely someone who's constantly thinking about what, well, how the other person would feel, which is really what you don't want to do. Not that that's wrong, but it's more of like, you still got to ask for the order. You, you have to, you have to do yourself a service, you know, by asking for the order on whatever that might be asking that person on a date, asking for what you want, right? Cause it's, it's, what do you want? And stop thinking about always the other person's feelings Keep it in mind. Don't be a crazy person. But, you know, what is it that you really want? Because you're actually doing them a service by telling them because they may want the same thing. And then mm-hmm. you don't have to, you know, go around all those things. But what I've said and what I've what I've told a lot of my students or people that have listened or people that have uh, that I care about is, you know, go for the no. Right. Getting yes is very hard, like in sales and real estate. And when you're trying to talk and, and, and get someone to, to sell to you, getting a yes is super, super hard. Don't even bother with the yes. Go for the nose. Get as many nose as you can. You know, get that out of the get way. Get a no for get a hundred no's and get yourself an ice cream. Exactly. There you go. But <laughs> but get the no, even just by yeah. asking, because then you're starting to build up. And that's how you get momentum. Like whenever I'm at not hot. Whenever I'm not feeling like I got it, I just get on the phone and start asking for more orders because I go, just make the call. You make the call and then you start getting hot because you're now you're talking. Now you're having a conversation. And just by connecting, you're like, hey, I had a good connection. The guy said no, but man, I had a good connection and now I feel good. Now, boom, on to the next call. And that Mm -hmm. carries over. That's important stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. You build a momentum. You're building momentum. All right. So you told me about your networking that you do. So that was good because I was going to ask you what type of networking that you do and you, you're part of all those different groups. And uh, my last question is for this. If you did lose it I'm all ready. Today, if you did, if Make you it did, a good one. <laughs> if, you did, if you did lose it all today, right? If you lost it all today, you know, what would you do? Or maybe if you, if you didn't ever get into real estate, what, what else would you do? I lost it all today. I fucking restart tomorrow. Hmm. That's, I think that's, that's the drive that an entrepreneur has is, oh shit. Okay. Let's go. You know, if I were to pick a different career, I'd go into something artistic. Mm, I love it. Yeah. What would that be? I don't know. I just love arts and crafts. Arts and crafts. (laughs) Well, your art and your craft is commercial real estate. And, uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been a lot of fun. I, I learned you. a lot about you and, uh, I, the good, bad made, and the ugly. It makes, no, it makes perfect <laughs> sense on why you're as successful as you are. So I, 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 I really appreciate you taking time. I know that the people listening had got a lot from this and you know, it's funny. It's just, it, it could be anything, you know, real estate really is, it's a people business. It's, it's understanding, it's listening, it's, it's being willing to take a chance. And like you said, 
keep your eyes open. Yeah. The opportunity is there. It's always there. It's always, always. there, folks. It's always, always. there. Always. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on the show. Everybody, that is it. That is the Marty Grizzani Show. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into the Marty Grizzani Show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're on Spotify, make sure you follow us for weekly episodes.